Hi, everybody. You're listening to Eight Evolved, and I'm your host, Rowena Luke. This is a podcast that tells the stories of high-impact, innovative social enterprises and what it takes to make them succeed. Today, we're speaking with Ndenya Mule. She's one of the founders of Antara Health. Just imagine for a second, your grandmother lives overseas, and she has some health issues. Imagine all the things that you would want to ensure for her care, whether it be making sure that she has the best doctors in the system, that the money you're sending is going to the right places, that there's someone there to guide her through the prescriptions and her health options, and to really care for her the way that you would care for her if you were there. The seed of the idea for Antara was born to serve that need. But over time, it evolved to be a much more holistic service that would work for anyone who struggled to get the most out of a constrained healthcare system. Antara today provides the end-to-end platform needed to integrate the best of in-person care with the best of virtual care at home. This includes the technology platform to connect all the actors together, a virtual care team, and a model that seamlessly connects with existing financial and care providers. It leverages artificial intelligence and machine learning to make this scalable and low cost. For today, we're going to focus on the story of Ntenya and the business and partnership side of how this organization got off the ground. I'll have to do another one to cover the technology. Ntenya was born and raised in Kenya, so she's seen firsthand the effects of the Kenyan healthcare system on her friends and family, and she knows what happens when it fails to deliver. She shares how she's explored healthcare in Kenya from every angle. She started off by learning about microinsurance products through her work in the microfinance sector. And then when she moved into the investment space and private equity, it was her job to figure out what makes a successful healthcare venture from the perspective of an investor. Now, through a series of serendipity, she's created this organization, Antara. And she shares with us today the twists and turns of finding a team, starting out on her own, and the bumpy journey to make a new model of healthcare work. Here we go. Yeah, I was born in Nairobi, Kenya. I was raised here, went to school here. My family lived in Nairobi. My parents were effectively immigrants to Nairobi. So they grew up in the countryside from the eastern part of the country and moved to Nairobi as part of their progression in terms of careers. And then this became home. And so I'm a Nairobi girl, which was, when I was younger, was something that was considered a little bit um, odd, yeah, <laughs> by, certain, by certain quarters of society, because Kenya has this excitement of, you know, people place you by your ethnicity. And so, you know, my name is immediately obvious to a lot of people, especially my last name, which part of the country I'm supposed to come from. So I wasn't supposed to come from Nairobi. I was supposed to come from Ukambani, which is where my parents come from. So, you know, every time I'd say, well, yeah, I come from Nairobi. It would be like, no, but where do you really come from? <laughs> oh, like, man. Well, I, that question. <laughs> Nairobi. It really <laughs> so, annoys me. <laughs> so, yeah. So it, 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 it's just an interesting way of, of uh, viewpoints and perspectives. Yeah. Mm. So when I left Kenya to go and do my tertiary education, which I did in, in the States, you know, then there I encountered, you know, the other interesting perspective of where I came from because I came from Africa. And I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, all of it. Eh? So many countries. So I come from just all of it. Right. Oh, man. And, uh, oh, and man. every time, every time <laughs> we try to explain, well, actually, Kenya, you know, because it's, it's. How is it in Africa? Did you grow up with lions? <laughs> yes. And I have. Yes. Actually, all those questions came through. So that was uh, very interesting at the time. 
I went off and I was like, yes, and I'm going to do, you know, economics. And I'll also yes. come back and get into development and give back because we must develop our country and all of that. So, so the part that was not, you know, 100% defined was how is this working in development? Going to be? Because that's just such a very broad area. And so um, I had the opportunity of doing some internships with the World Bank Group when I was in the States um, during my summers as an undergrad. And so coming up to um, graduation, I was still like, you know, at that time it was more like, okay, this, this is a potential career path and, you know, we can do, you know, policy sort of at a multilateral level and look at engaging, you know, but my, my interest was always in, in Africa. And when I completed my graduate studies, I always knew I wanted to come back to Kenya. And at the time I had um, exposure to microfinance just before I came back. And the department I was working in, in the World Bank, was really, had really taken up this whole idea of availability of credit to low-income people. Even back then, the conversation started around, well, what if we can think about providing products to help manage health? Beginning conversations around microinsurance. At the same time that Nintenya's professional journey was unfolding, in her personal life, she was coming up again and again against everything that was broken about healthcare in Kenya. And I remember when I was doing my grad studies, you know, getting a letter from my mother telling me that my cousin, my mom's brother's daughter, had passed away. Oh, no. Because she had, um, she was pregnant and oh, no. she had a breech birth and they couldn't get her to the hospital. And I remember, oh. you know, like just wailing at this story because she, she also was such a ray of, of sunshine, you know. And I, I remembered the times that I had slept with her and she was younger than me. She was younger than me. So oh, we lost yeah. her before she had even made it to like 20. Oh, that's heartbreaking. You know? At a point in her life where she, you're just about to welcome a new member yes. into your family. She's making life. Yeah. You know, you have, you have a and, good family and they're supporting each yeah. other and just... Just like that. And it was it was not that somebody couldn't get money, but they couldn't get her to the hospital quickly enough. And so oh, she man. died. You know? That must have been so, such a wake up call for you. Personal stories like that. I mean, I grew yeah. up seeing my my grandfather, my father's father, who, you know, struggled with asthma, which, you know, I also have, so I guess kindred spirits. <laughs> but you would have to come from the countryside, you know, to go to the hospital you know, mm. and, and get treatment again, because what was there in the village was not as good as what we had, you know, in Nairobi. Mm. And again, like I said, we were lucky that mm. yes, we, you know, could drive, you know, the two hours to go pick him up and bring him to Nairobi. And, you know, he could see, you know, he could get the medical attention that he needed. Right. But, you know, but even he passed away from an episode um, where the the attack came on and the intervention couldn't happen quickly enough and he passed away, you know. So it's that fragility of life is something that for me has always been very close to me because of everything that has been going on around me directly in my family. But then you see it in the community as a whole. So that's the seeds of getting to Antara. Back on the work front. Natanya finished her exploration of microfinance and microinsurance health products with the World Bank. She moved into the social investment space, providing the funding that powers the next generation of healthcare organizations in Africa. Her first gig 
was with the International Finance Corporation, IFC. IFC is the largest global development institution focused exclusively on the private sector in developing countries. It was here she started to realize that the government just doesn't have enough resources, at least in Kenya, to take care of everybody. And this gap between what was available and the needs of the people created a host of other actors that rise to fill the space. Over the next 10 years, she would continue working in the social investment and private equity space. Nintenya provided the due diligence that was necessary to write these checks. And ultimately, she ended up pitching in wherever her help was needed, whether it be ensuring compliance with local legislation or growing the talent pool within an organization, or really questioning and defining the business strategy of an organization. In 2016, Nintenya reached the point where she was ready to set her own terms. She wanted to start an organization that she could own and control. She was initially going to provide consulting services. But then, a chance encounter with Keba Jabarte would change all those plans. That one was now truly serendipity, okay? So I was I love at serendipity. An, inflection, an inflection point in my life, okay? Mm-hmm. So I've been, you know, working and I'd gotten to a point where I was like, okay, this is great. I've enjoyed the work that I have done, truly. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, despite whatever idiosyncrasies are there with work experiences, I'd really enjoyed what I had been doing with various employers. It sounds fascinating. But I wanted to do something on my, of my own where now I am the one who is who is running this gig. Wow. Right? But that takes so and much courage so I, after, after, you know, yeah, so many no. years of working for other people. Like, did you, yeah. did you always feel so that, that way or was that a new feeling? No, no, this was, this was a new thing. I don't know. Maybe age. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> you just woke up one day and you're like, I want to be my own boss. I want to, I want to yes. work for myself. Actually, yes. That's how it started. And I hadn't <sighs> fully, the, the, how I'm going to do my own thing hadn't fully crystallized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So my initial fallback was, oh, you know, maybe even as I'm doing my own thing, let me fall back to something that is still familiar, which was, you know, like the consulting space and I can be, you know, I can do advisory work and so on and so forth. So I, mm-hmm. I'd kind of, you know, sort of told myself, this is where, I'm, this is what my starting point is going to be. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I got an email message from a colleague of mine saying, well, there's, you know, this guy that you must talk to who's called Keba Jobate. He wants, you know, he's interested in the healthcare in Kenya and I couldn't think of anyone better to, you know, sit down and have a chat with him. It's like Would a mutual okay? friend of yours or something? Yes, this is a this is a mutual friend. He's a colleague and a friend. So, you know, would you mind giving him some time? I think he's planning on being in Nairobi. So I'm like, yeah, sure, no problem. And, and I did it with that casualness. Yeah, sure, no problem. Mm. As I'm saying, sure, actually, even before I said, sure, no problem. As that email was hitting my inbox, Keba's email comes. Oh, hi, you know, so nice to meet you. I'm going to be in Nairobi. I don't know what dates, you know, can we meet for coffee? So I'm like, sure, no problem. Multiple sides. They came at you from multiple sides. (laughs) You can't hide. Sit down and have have this coffee. Yeah. Hmm. And so, you know, we meet up. Must have been a good coffee. And and, yeah, I think I think so. I think so. Since we're where we are. Yeah, that coffee was not a bad coffee at all. Okay. (laughs) And so, you know, I meet this person who is just energy personified. And, you know, he says very engaging and, you know, very passionate. And he's telling me about 
all these things that we have to do and, you know, the healthcare system and the gaps that are there and, you know, the things that are not working and we can fix it. So we have this conversation, you know, like for mm-hmm. two hours, you know, and two hours. <laughs> literally, literally like those conversations where you're like, you didn't notice time. Pass. Nice. nice. <laughs> right? And so, you know, and so we finish and then he maps out his vision and he's like, well, do you think, do you think like this can happen, you know, in this part of the world? I'm like, yeah, of course this can happen. <laughs> so then he looks at me and he goes, so are we going to do this? And I said, of course we're going to do this. <laughs> and that's- wow. <laughs> you both recognize so, yeah. that very quickly. <laughs> we just said yes. Okay. So this is somebody that I don't, I don't know from Adam other than this introduction. Yeah, (laughs) we've had this conversation. So, you know, serendipity, maybe, you know, it's it's worked out. So this is good. What was the pitch? What was the the idea that really connected with you? What was the thing that spoke to you? You Like, oh yeah. What connected? So, so he, he told me, you know, a story about his, his grandmother being ill and, you know, and he's this hyper-educated doctor and he couldn't intervene and, you know, he was not in the Gambia at the time. And so he's sending money, but he can't even get even a doctor to explain to him. And he's like, and I'm a doctor and I just want to talk to another doctor and this is not happening. And so the frustration of, you know, you want to do something, but there's, there's the gap in terms of identifying the people who can walk you through a case so that you actually know are we getting the results that are supposed to be there? Yeah. There is, you know, you're sitting in a different geography. You've sent money for a particular purpose. In his, in, in his particular example, the money was actually going to the right purpose. But I had seen examples and experienced examples where you get the call and we need the money. And the money gets to where it's supposed to go to. And it just so happens that there was another requirement that is now prioritized over health so we don't deal with a health issue we deal with something else then two weeks later you're being called to be asked for more money because uh, yeah we didn't quite take care of grandma the way that we were intending so anyway in Keba's narrative it was that frustration of not being able to have someone trusted who can really give me the story of what is happening with this patient Mm. who is having a fundamental problem and that's even more angst-ridden when that patient is my grandmother you know, and so it's a story that resonated with me for from very many different angles because I had lived it as well in yeah. my own way. Did you feel confident that you could tackle that challenge or was it more the magnitude of the problem that you knew like you had to act, you had to do something? I think, you know, there are times where I don't even know that that's the thought process that is going through one's mind. You know, it's sort of like, mm-hmm. you know, that there is a challenge. Mm-hmm. And we can do better. I don't even necessarily mm. know what the better looks like right now. But guess what? Eh? I'm willing to give it a shot. And I'm willing <laughs> to get my hands dirty and try and see whether we can do this. Nice. Plus, this dude who's sitting across from me has told me he's a doctor. We're good. <laughs> him, you figure out. <laughs> Liability's on him if we get it wrong. Yeah. No, it's not even liability. He knows the clinical side of things. Mm. May I need to help him with... How do we connect with people? How do we maneuver? You know, that thing of connecting to people. Who do we need to talk to? How are we going to manage in this environment? I do understand how things are run in Kenya. So yes, I'll anchor him on that side. So it was literally, I can see what he's bringing to the table that I can't. And I can see what I can bring to the table that would help with this vision that he has really thought deeply about. Yeah. And he's a very convincing, you know, person, you know, when he speaks. (laughs) He's like but someone that you know also, you want to work with, you know, like this will be yeah, a I mean, good I, partnership. Like I said, I had known him for two hours. 
<laughs> not like they've known each other for a long time, okay? And so that that yes that we said at the at the same time was mm. literally about we're gonna try and make a difference. Okay? Amazing. That's um, awesome. He he just he just says it with you know so much more life and you know and I, I I don't even know Keva is almost indescribable because he is just so larger than life. You know? But it's, it's that's the thing that actually carries you and you feel that actually he's got my back and we're going to be able to do this. Yeah. Sounds like a great guy. What was the first thing that you tried together that you, you didn't think it was going to work out, but it, it, it did end up working out. What's like the first I mean, we, significant we event where it started know. to feel real? I don't, know that, I don't know that we knew what was going to happen. All right. So we were just like, okay, we're going to try this thing, you know, and he's now introducing me to terms that I've never heard before. And he's talking to me about health navigation and we're going to do this. And I've heard about patient centered care. So I understand what that is about. But anyway, he's giving me new nuances that I'm, that I'm learning. And then he says, well, this is what we're going to do. You know, like we have all of these people sitting in the diaspora and we need to find a mechanism of serving them. So this is where now my previous experience, because I had been working with health company, I was like, okay, let's go talk to them and see <laughs> whether, you know, whether this resonates. Route, route the patients to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll have a way of paying for these patients because their relatives abroad are sending the money. We are that trusted connection that if you go back to Keba's narrative, mm-hmm. wasn't there for his grandmother's case. So we understand mm. how to talk to, you know, the provider. We understand the right questions to ask. What we need is for them to agree to work with us, send you the patients, deal with them. If questions arise, we will come back to you and get the right information that we need to make sure that these people are taken care of and give their families yeah. The assurance that actually mom, my grandma, my brother, my sister is actually being taken care of in the way that I would have liked. That makes so much sense. And we hold the patient. OK, so we don't yeah. just send them off. We've had the whole process of developing a relationship with those patients and understanding what their situation is. So even as as we are working with providers who are our partners, We're also getting to understand what is going on with this person. What are the challenges that they are facing? How are things at home? Who is the person who takes care of them when they're at home? Who else can we connect with to make sure that they're actually taken care of in the way that they need to be taken care of? When they're confused about what a doctor told them when they were in a clinic, we come and explain so that they now feel also less anxious. Because when you're told things that you don't understand in words that are not familiar to you, you're just like, what? I don't know. What does that, what is it? That makes so much sense. I would pay for this service for my mom in Canada. Like, <laughs> please expand to Canada. Yeah, we'll, start, we'll start serving Canada soon. Okay, soon. <laughs> sign me up. Let's, let's cover this part of the world. Right? Then we'll, come, we'll come to Canada. One yeah. thing at a time. So, so that's that's where this whole story was was coming from. And so we are doing this. So, <laughs> Nathaniel, can you describe a moment that that made your heart pump? What are some of the the risks that you you know, that where, where you were nervous, where you didn't think, we didn't know it was going to pan out as you were shaping the early stages of this company. Well, I mean, the first moment is just after that coffee meeting, you know. <laughs> like later that day? <laughs> yes. Like, let's not go too far. What? You know, I mean, like, there, there, there hadn't even been um, any any conversation at that particular point. We were going to set up the business that was and fast. we were going to do this. 
So I go home and I'm like, I don't even know who this guy is, man. But anyway, what was the smell that he wore? It's okay. Oh, but let's just let's just do this. Anyway, that that actually progressed progressed quite well. So you know, we, we do go through the mechanics of yes, yeah, set up the company, you know, and we need to identify folks who are going to work with us. So we have our first hire in mm. Kenya. But did, did you have funding? Time, having, did you have a product? Like, was it? Or some yeah, we you know like we're we're starting to build on the funding side. So mm-hmm. Keba was really handling that bit in terms of friends and family. It was literally mm. friends and family at that mm. time, you know. Um, and that's how every organization starts. Yes, he's convinced a few people to put money in, and we're serious, and we're going to do this. And you know, so we we start we start that whole story, you know. And then it was, how do we get to because we can't do everything. Our methodology is virtual first and it is very much built on this big differential that we're not actually seeing patients in the traditional way. Okay, so we're Hmm. calling them, we're talking to them, we're figuring out what's going on. And then when we need to then send them to, you know, the doctor, we make the appointment, they go to the doctor, they are seen. If they need to see a nutritionist, we make the appointments, they go see the nutritionist, we follow up, we find out what's going on, what do we need to make sure happens after they have visited. So we're doing that whole care coordination story and mm-hmm. we're really accompanying them on their health journey, right? So how getting that partnership, okay? And that first partnership with the, it, it's like Kenya's, um, one of Kenya's only existing HMOs, yeah, mm-hmm. was huge. I mean, it helped that I had worked with them previously, mm-hmm. but there was no assurance that, you know, I mean, yes, I had my former colleagues. Yes, they know who I am. So mm-hmm. it's not that they doubt my credentials, but this is a whole new thing that you're doing from when you were working with us. Okay. Yeah, makes sense. And so the fact that we got that yes like, yes, we will partner together and yes, we will work together. That moment was really cathartic because it was like, okay, this thing is actually now becoming real. Okay. And it is a thing. So this partner was uh, both clinical provider, but they were also happened to have capitated plans that worked very much like insurance products. What's a capitated plan? It is a plan that defines benefits that person will get for paying a certain amount of money. Yeah. So for the amount that I've paid, I will get X, Y, Z services on the outpatient side. I will get so much, you know, inpatient benefit, but you can only access it through our network. So, so the organization had hospitals and clinics Mm -hmm. um, across a few towns in Kenya, Mm -hmm. and they were going to be our clinical provider partner. I see. And so later on is when we then now piggybacked on their plans because now this this remember when we first started we were just literally getting money from people in the diaspora. We send your person to them if if they need medical attention and we literally pay from that wallet to them. Okay so it was literally right. just a fee for service relationship as far as that's concerned. Right. Then the next stage of development in terms of our uh, partnership was they have health plans that we can put people on that then, you know, can access a defined set of services when they need to go to a facility. 
I see. So you're moving from acute care, like grandma's sick, we need to treat her, to a world where like you want to make sure grandma is cared for on an ongoing basis. And to do that, you needed a plan and a healthcare provider. Is that right? Right. And so, you know, we're doing part of that healthcare provision, but there are mm-hmm. bits of the healthcare provision that we can't do and we need the partner to work with. All right. But it was really about, you know, not just taking care of the acute situations, but also taking care of the chronic situations as well. Mm-hmm. And that was also a very big part of what we wanted to achieve because the chronic conditions we focused on are the ones where, one, they're going to, you know, and are having a huge adverse impact on, you know, the the health statistics um, of our population here, okay? Mm -hmm. However, if caught early, we can reverse the trend of that adverse impact on the population health statistics and on the lives of people. And so we started intervening with people who were hypertensive, diabetic, you know, asthmatic, had, you know, osteoarthritis, because the combination of what one can do clinically as well as behavioral change is huge. If it is managed well, if, you know, you're able to detect that there's a problem early on, and if you have this whole idea of a very close relationship with a patient where you're looking at their specific situation and you're responding to that specific situation in a very personalized way. So it's not just, you know, oh, this is what we do for diabetics writ large. It is, this is my population of diabetics and this is what I am doing for, you know, Dena and Rowena and Betty and John who are diabetics, but their condition manifests obviously differently. Nice. It's personalized healthcare. It's you understanding you and what's going on with you. Yes. From that first step of we actually have a partner that we can work with. Yeah. I mean, again, it's a relationship that worked, but also had its challenges, right? Every relationship does. Just ask my husband. Every relationship (laughs) does. And if it doesn't, somebody's cheating. (laughs) And so (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, we 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 started with the first step of folks that we are taking care of from a savings, from a medical savings wallet perspective and passing on for whatever care was needed from a facility perspective. That was like one one step that took us, you know, down the road. And then, you know, getting to a point of, hmm, but you actually have plans that if we sold on your behalf and started growing the population that we are dealing with, will also help us refine, you know, our methodology. We are developing, we're cultivating this working relationship that we have. We're growing the relationship. So that was like sort of the next step, right? And that step allowed us to recognize that we could now go beyond that first initial segment of population Mm. that we were dealing with, which just happened to be a lot more biased towards older folks. Now we had products that could cover folks who are younger. So we identified which of the suite of products that our partner had that we wanted to then go into the market with. And so there the relationship grew to the next level because we're acquiring additional customers essentially for them as well as for us. Okay. And initially that started very much on like a retail basis. And then we were like, wow, we're a small company. This takes a lot of effort. This is a lot of work. (laughs) Let's start seeing how we can get to aggregated aggregated populations that we can serve. 
So then we switched and we were like, okay, let's try selling to corporates. Okay. And so, you know, selling to corporates because then it still allows us to have the population that we're managing. So here it was all about proving that what we had set out as our methodology of care really Mm. works out. And what we are expecting as the outcomes of this care that we are providing is panning out. Okay, so that was Mm. very important for us to have, you know, the opportunity to to demonstrate that. Then in the course of, you know, still growing the relationship, we're like, but you guys have corporate clients anyway. Okay, and one of the things that you worry about all the time is this question of how much are they using of their cover in the course of the year? And how is it that we can take some of the pressure off that for visits that don't necessarily need to be a clinic visit that we can actually take care of and that we can actually resolve and the person is actually okay, all right? Mm -hmm. Why don't we work in partnership on this Mm -hmm. to then, again, grow the partnership and see whether we can get the outcomes that we want to get. So we're able to negotiate with them a pilot that was going to bring on board a number of corporates and they were going to select, you know, high usage corporates, sort of mid usage corporates and low usage corporates that we can compare across the board how that pans out. That's fascinating. So you're you're working with the HMO to expand Mm -hmm. their reach in order to better serve corporates who are in mm-hmm. turn serving their employees. And together, Correct. you decided to run this this market test. Uh, you know, like these are the different, yes. different you know, customer representatives and such, and what's, what's going to work for the various right. different kinds of corporates that they're working with. That sounds like a really useful right. test. So we start that. Uh-huh. And then just when we're starting, COVID happens. Oh, and the so world sorry. Wait, changed. No, it was... <laughs> Is COVID, was COVID good or bad for you? You never know, you know, certain well, businesses. Yeah, COVID did a few things for us, you know. So the whole way of how we, were, we had been thinking of how we're going to go in, how we're going to engage with the corporates, you know, because up until that point, it's very personal. We go in and meet the people. We meet All and greet and touch them. And, yeah. you know, there's a certain way that we're going to bring them on board and start engaging with them. And That's how, how business we're going works. To do those. Yes. Hmm. Then... March 15th happens. Oh, and Yikes. And um, Kenya has had some yes. of the most severe lockdowns in, in the world, to my understanding. Which kind of helped us in the beginning. So this whole thing happens, you know, and uh-huh. no one in the world has had to deal with this, you know, and everything is shutting down and, you know, we're a virtual company, right? So you were anyways on that path. Let's see how this pans out now that we are now full virtual, you know, uh. What it did help as far as the market is concerned is the idea of health services also being able to be delivered in a virtual way. Because, you know, most people here are like, no, 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 me, I want to go in and see my doctor, see him or her over here in front of me. Mm. You know, they do things, they touch me, they feel yeah, things, okay, where mm. there's, a, there's physical contact going on. This story of I'm just going to be talking to doctors on phones. How does that work? How am I sure that this person understands what it is that they're doing? So again, this whole idea of our relationship building is about underpinning everything we do with trust. Really got tested and really became very good at actually conveying that trust because patients saw what we were able to deliver to them. Okay, so if 
It is right at the beginning when we get a patient and we are taking them through an initial health check to understand what's going on with their health. From that, that helps us come up with a plan of support for them. If they need to get medication, we fill that prescription and we deliver it to them. If we say, call us anytime, they actually call you in the middle of the night. <laughs> somebody answers a phone and takes care of them. Yeah, because I've also, you know, in, in, in the things that I do at Antara, I've also been a recipient of those calls in the middle of, of the night. Everyone's um, got a pitch and in. And you give the person assurance that this is what you need. This is the solution to your issue, okay? That's Some phenomenal. of those solutions were happening during those lockdowns. So coming up Oof. with the way of, I need to get you to a facility. Yes, it is after curfew, but this is how we are going to do it, okay? And having wow. the ability of building up that information of this is how we navigate people. This is how we get them to a hospital if it is curfew time and they need to go. These are the partners that we're working with to help us do that. COVID really helped us with navigating very difficult waters, but doing it with such grace that we were able to really demonstrate to members that we were there for them, that they really do trust us. So when an issue comes up, they do call us, you know, the ability to get, you know, sort of peripheral information that is useful to how we're going to take care of of people, yeah, that started coming through. And that was coming through not just at the individual level, but also with the corporates that we were serving. Amazing. Ndenye, should we switch over yeah. to our rapid fire segment just yeah. to wrap up this interview? Yeah. A couple of questions yeah. um, for mm -hmm. you. The first question is if you have any feedback for donors or investors, particularly impact investors who try to who try to fund work like the work that you're doing, but maybe create some challenges uh, for you along, along the way. Do you have any guidance for, for donors or investors? Yes, I think um, it's very important to listen, listen to the stories on the ground, okay? Sometimes uh, my experience has been that you work with folks who are coming very well-intentioned, okay? They want to come, they want to help, okay? Lots of but people like that. there's a little bit of this element of, you know, I know, okay? And... You know, and, and, it, and it's not just, you know, external people, you know, like I said, I'm also a child of privilege. And so you come and I know the answer to this story. OK. Mm -hmm. And so in doing that, you're not actually giving space or time for the wisdom that is there on the ground. And that wisdom comes from peers. It comes from communities that you're trying to impact on. It comes from policymakers, okay? Because again, there are times when there is a perception that, oh, you know, governments don't know. And yes, I have alluded to failure as far as um, the ability of, say, Kenya government to do everything for everyone, okay? And that failure is not necessarily an intentional failure. And it's not just Kenya. <laughs> no. And, you know, I was using that as an example. Mm -hmm. and, and unfortunately, sometimes we get very caught up in the soundbite of, you know, there's corruption and corruption is the thing that is preventing this from happening. And we forget that, yes, whilst there may be corruption, first of all, it's not just in Kenya that there's corruption. Let's begin there. So, you know, when you're coming from an external country and you're coming to the opener is, you know, you all are very corrupt. 
(laughs) (laughs) All right. But more importantly is just because there may be certain failures in certain systems, it does not mean that you do not have credentialed and experienced people whose wisdom becomes very useful to what you're actually trying to achieve. And it is very important to remain open to that. And it takes a certain level of humility to uh, accept that there are actually resources that are here that I need to piggyback on for whatever it is that I need to do. I love that message. It's so easy to pretend like you're working with a tabula rasa, a clean slate, but that's not what's happening in any of these countries. So don't pretend that it is. If you could take a step back in time, is there any advice you would give your younger self? So first and foremost, I think it's very important to take time to listen to yourself. Okay. I think all of us go through, you know, a phase where society's voice is very loud in dictating what you should or should not be doing. Okay. So, you know, if if I just use like a very quick and dirty, you know, for, for me growing up, you know, like respected professions, you know, doctor, lawyer. I hear you. (laughs) Architect, you know, engineer, you know, those kinds of things, right? (laughs) So anything else, eh? it was, you know, society just tells you, oh, you don't have to do something serious, you know. So (laughs) so it's important to to listen to, to yourself in terms of what you really want to do. I love that message. Oh, amazing. Last question, just for fun. Is there a book, a blog, a podcast that you've enjoyed that you'd like to share from your personal interest? There's nothing to do with work, yes. Anything is fair game. So there's a book called The Secret Lives of Babashegi's Wives. Okay. And it's a very interesting book. It's written by um, a Nigerian author. And it's looking at this whole issue of the theme of polygamous households. Well, there's a dynamic of what, you know, what is going on with the various wives and their specific homesteads, but how they also interact within this this dynamic. For people who are listening to this podcast that want to learn a little bit more about you or Antara Health, what's the best way to find out more? Antara Health, um, you can go to our website, antarahealth.com. That's where you learn about Antara Health. I try not to have everyone learning about me, so I'm very shy. <laughs> so humble. <laughs> Come find me in Nairobi if you want to learn more about me. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you so much for being on the show. I hope you enjoyed our chat with Ntenya today. And also that it might give you pause to wonder if there are other ways that we can change and improve healthcare delivery. Now that we live in a world where people don't want to go to a clinic anymore, they want to get all their services remotely and online, how can we leverage this to make healthcare more affordable, more effective, more personal, like Antara is doing? And, you know, with someone like Ntenya in the front seat, she's also working to make sure it's affordable. She's trying to align the incentives with insurance providers so that we reward positive, preventative health outcomes and keep people healthy instead of paying more when they get sick. That's all for today. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And join us again in two weeks when we speak with Yetende Ailawo, the founder of Market Doctors in Nigeria. Bye for now.